0: Aloha and welcome to Conversations to Enlighten and Heal. Conversations is sponsored by Pure Plan Essentials Organic Aromatherapy. I'm your host, KG Styles. Please subscribe to my KG Styles channel so you never miss a show. On today's Conversations webinar show, I'll be speaking with Vedic astrologer and Tarot Master Mo Abdelbaki about the spring eclipse season we're in and today's full moon total lunar eclipse. The Q&A chat window is open so you can interact with us during the show, and Mo will stay on and answer your questions at the end. Mo is of Egyptian heritage and student of the Mysteries for over 50 years and has been a professional consultant for over 30 years. Mo's intensive metaphysical studies have included Tarot, Vedic Astrology, I Ching, Hermetic Kabbalism, Runes, and numerous other spiritual systems. Through his lifelong quest into the metaphysical, Mo has developed a powerful intuition and accurate tools for guiding thousands of his clients worldwide. On today's show, Mo will open up and freely share his wisdom with you. So get ready for fun and an entertaining and enlightening show. Please join me in welcoming Vedic astrologer and Tarot master, Mo Abdelwaki. Hi Mo, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you, KG. It's uh, very nice to be here. And hello, everybody out there. And I assume they're out there.
0: <laughs> Let's see. If anybody's out there, I'm not seeing anybody out there right now. Um, I know there are people signed up. I'm not seeing any questions, and I'm not seeing anybody right now. But
1: they will we're going to carry field, on.
0: Though. Yes, right. we're going to carry on. And uh, so, and also, we're going to put out lists so I don't forget, uh, if you will just... Uh, put your questions in the when we go when the when it gets posted on the YouTube uh, my YouTube channel in the feed. Uh, you're welcome to uh, put in questions for Mo, and um, I'll let him know. And uh, you know he he is open to answering any questions you might have. So, all right. So Mo, how is Vedic astrology different from Western astrology?
1: Good question. Um, The Vedic system, oh, I forgot to turn my phone off, isn't that how it goes on live? (laughs) Anything that's live. (laughs) Um,
0: Always have have a note, shut off phone.
1: Oh, I usually do, because I have a radio show, and I go through this with that, but it'll stop in a second. Uh, Sorry about that. So, Vedic astrology is uh, different in many ways. I used to be a Western astrologer, and quite frankly, oh, come on, give it up. (laughs) Um, I, it never really clicked with me. I never really found it to be, um, easy. And I don't mean easy that it should be easy, but it never really fell into place. And then when I found Vedic, I was like, oh, because it's old, I'm old. I'm into ancient things. I, I, I studied a lot of ancient cultures. And one of the main things about Vedic astrology is that it, we don't use the outer planets at all. There's no Uranus, no Neptune, no Pluto. Um, because you can't see them in the sky. And, and so the tradition was set up with using just the planets that we can see, and it's very nicely balanced. It actually works very well. It's a very different system. It's apples and oranges is what I say. You know, it's, it's like it doesn't negate Western astrology at all. Another big difference is we use the, the sidereal system, which means that instead of using the tropical placement of the planets, which is what we use in the West, and what we say is that on um, March the 20th or 21st, the sun goes into zero degrees of Aries. Well, that is a tropical placement. So it's theoretical. The actual position of the sun in the sky is more at about six degrees of Pisces, due to the fact that the Earth is uh, preceding itself, uh, and it's all the time, precession of the equinox, takes about 26,000 years to go all the way around. So those are the major differences. We have all sorts of fancy charts that we look at, and graphs that we look at, but essentially, and there there are thousands of different schools of of Vedic thought, Uh, so it gets very complicated very quickly, and we use yogas, but what I do is I, I have my own take on it. And I just let the chart kind of talk to me and okay. it seems to work very well. So those are the main, um, the main problems, problems, yes. differences. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, so, well, I relate to, uh, you know, letting the chart speak with you. That's what I do. I think mm-hmm. that uh, when you really learn about the planets, you learn about some of the mythology and you work with it at a, at a deeper level then it doesn't open up and begin to speak with you, you know, uh, intuitively, you know what thing, cause it's, it's always different and it's mm-hmm. the, the way it's speaking. Cause you're really, it's a big conversation going on between all the different planets, right? It's not just one isolated planet that you work with. It's the whole gestalt of the planets in conversation with one another. So so I know you don't work with the, what I call the transpersonal planets, Uranus, Neptune, or Pluto. Mm-hmm. And could you tell me why that is?
1: It has to do with, I, in the beginning, I tried. When I first started doing Vedic astrology, I, I gave it a shot. And because I did not want to let go of Uranus, you know, the, the sudden changes, the excitement of the universe, and Neptune, you know, the, the watery uh, king of everything. And, and, but what happened was that it didn't work for me i couldn't mm-hmm. get any good results and i studied thousands of charts and when i finally just dropped them dropped the outer planets everything clicked into place it's based upon dual rulership so mm-hmm. for example what that means is that every planet has two or every sign has uh, a ruler and every planet rules two signs so that's the dual rulership um Except for the sun and moon, and they're considered to be kind of dual planets, if you will. You know, the the sun being the 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 let's say the energetic aspect, and the moon, the receptive aspect. So, it once you get into just saying, okay, look, this is a completely different system, and I have to you know get into it as a completely different system, everything just went splendidly. And uh, you're right. The the for example the you know, movement of Pluto is really a generational thing, uh, and but there are other ways to see these things in the charts as well. So it's kind of fascinating. I, um, but I did try for quite a while, and it just it didn't work. Yes, I equate it to. Um, I don't know if you know the Lenormand deck. The, uh, the it's a little divination deck, very nice. It has like a key on it, and the star and the sun, and you know, a, a man on a horse, that sort of thing pardon me, and it was very popular. It was a game back in Germany in the 1700s, late, early 1800s. But the point is, is that it's not tarot. It's not a tarot deck, but it works. Yes. You can use it to do readings with. So that's how I view it. Vedic astrology is not Western astrology, but they both work very well.
0: Yes. So, So, Well, give us your um, forecast for this Libra, Virgo,
1: Right, eclipse, and this eclipse is going to occur. It will be at its maximum point, um, tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. my time, no, 6 a.m. my time, so I think 5 a.m. Pacific time. Um, and we should be able to see it if the weather, yeah, so and a lot of people don't like to go out and see it, but I think that this is happening in such a place, of course, in the west, it's in Libra, which is ruled by Venus. And in the Western, in the Vedic system, it's going to be uh, fully in um, in Virgo. And let me show it. Can I? Do you mind if yeah. I show you? Okay, yes. let me do this. And I'd be happy to. Let's see. And what I'll do is I'll go. First of all, let me just show you where it's going to be in the actual sky. This is a representation uh, of the the actual time of the eclipse, you can see here the moon is is in its coppery form, right? Uh, yes. And that's about as much. Ooh, I don't know what I did there. But uh, if we look here, we can see that here we have Virgo. This is where it will actually occur astronomically. And yes. over here we have Libra. You can see Libra here. And of course, here's Scorpio. So this is This is why I prefer it, because I was into astronomy. And of course, after a while, when you talk to astronomers, they begin to hate you because you're an astrologer. you know. So um, this is the lunar eclipse, as it's going to be uh, tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock my time. So what we see here, and in Vedic astrology, what we have are charts that are static. This is the southern Indian system. So this is Aries. This is Taurus. This is Gemini. Cancer, and so on, and it always stays this way. I like this because you can look at any chart and immediately see the Ascendant, and the Ascendant here, of course it will be different maybe where you are, but the Ascendant here will be Pisces, Pisces with Mercury in Pisces, with the South Node in Pisces, with the Sun in Pisces, and right across from that in Virgo, we have the Moon at 20 degrees, and then we have the North Node. Now, of course, all eclipses must occur at the nodes, either the south or the north, and this one is known as Rahu. Rahu is very, I would say, materialistic. That's what I would say about Rahu, and it is, I won't get into mythology right now, but what this all means to me, with the Western system, where it's going to be right here in Libra, and in the Vedic system, where it's going to be right here in, in Virgo, we know that Venus and Mercury are pretty friendly. In, in everything, I think. They get along pretty well. They can also be a bit of a troublemaker when they get together. Uh, the Piscean myth is about the taunting of a, of a giant and uh, having, you know, to jump into the ocean to escape him, and that's Venus and that's Aphrodite and Eros, right? Um, so the idea here is that I think it's about consciousness. You and I were speaking about that. It has to do with the idea of the the myth of Orpheus. In the myth of Orpheus, um he loses his wife to the scorpion which is not too far away and he becomes despondent he goes into the underworld he reclaims her i'll come back here and we can go back to that in a little bit let's see if i can uh come back here and uh so what happens is that he loses his wife in the underworld he goes back to get her it's a long story i'll cut it to the chase and What happens is he has to leave the underworld completely outside of it. She has to walk 10 steps in back of him, but she has no footsteps because she's not yet corporeal. She's still Mm -hmm. ephemeral. So he gets out, and he's counting the steps, but he can't hear anything, and it makes him crazy. And he turns around, and she doesn't make it. She's standing right at the edge, and the last thing she says is, goodbye, my love. And he becomes terribly depressed, and he never makes music again. He just, you know, is is this kind of a depressed guy. And the gods do not favor him. We could say, so the myth is really based upon the concept of living in the past, I believe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the inability for us to really move forward. I think that this eclipse, on every level, is telling us we must look forward now. In tarot, um, the the card Libra. You know, is the adjustment card or the justice card. And that has to do with seeking the truth. That has to do with balance, but it also has to do with this idea that we must have some sort of aesthetic value, some sort of personal value, and a sense of right and wrong. So this is a time for us to completely embrace reality, not to be afraid of it, not to shun it. And this eclipse, the the last eclipse in Pisces has had some pretty strong effects, which we have seen in the world. This one, I think, is the last of the Tetrad. And, And that being said, finally, we kind of get back to, nor- not normal, there's been no normal on this planet for, you know, a couple hundred thousand years since human beings have been. But I think that that's what we're going to see, is we must, we, who have a sense of, of um, let's say, a sense of responsibility for those who come after us, for the world in general, we have this duty to be conscious to think, and to move forward in the world, and so what this eclipse is about is our, our responsibilities, our duties, our strength of character, and our ability to move forward into the world and say, I know who I am, I'm proud of, who not proud, but I'm happy with who I am, and I'm not ashamed of it, and I'm not fear-based, because, and, and not to live in the past, that's the hardest part, I think, that cut does that make sense, any of that, or...
0: Yeah, that's, well, that's how I've been reading the energies, you know, is that we're, you know, a lot of stuff has been coming to our awareness. We're really owning, stepping into our power, taking responsibility and walking. Also, this time is really about cleaning. For me, it's about clearing the heart energies so that you trust yourself again. You can, that you get right with yourself. Mm-hmm. um and so you have to let go of any previous judgments uh you know and really see your own trust in innocence as a spiritual being and then you align with that in the corporeal in the material world that you focus to to bring that to incarnate yourself as a spiritual being in a more you you dedicate yourself to that more. I think there's right. a time when you there's this new dawn when you really can you commit to realizing more of your own greatness, you know, that you will walk your talk, that you will, you know, you align you align with that. You'll right. do the work of, you know, discovering what your your purpose is. I mean, I feel like on a very general level our purpose is um, to to enjoy life and share life with other people and and yeah. have a good time you know and there's you know but i we're caught up in so many things that don't matter that we've put our faith in and we've believed in and it's time to let go of those things we've believed in that really we need to get more in touch with the truth not what we a perceived truth you know what i'm saying what we we've, mm-hmm. we've given our power to these things that really are, are false. They're not really. And, and, you know, even getting to know what is the truth, I think Mm -hmm. that you can be so deceived when you're out of alignment and truth with your own self integrity with your own self, then you, you misperceive things going on outside of yourself. So, you know, it all works together. It's an inside out, out thing that's happening. So could you show us some more of the charts? I want to really look at some of these charts you have.
1: Let me do that. Um, Happy to do that. All right, so let's go back here. Um, So there are many different, here, let me just run you through some of the different things that we look at. We have these what are called Vargas, and Vargas are divisional charts that are based upon mathematical models from the regular chart, and as you can see, uh-huh. they don't have any degrees in them. This is the Vim Shottari Dasha system. And the Vim Shottari Dasha system, Vim means 120, and it was believed by the Ayurvedic scholars that we have 120 years to live, but due to bad reading, karma, and so on, we don't live that long. And that's interesting, a lot of cultures believed that, that the natural span of life was 120 years. Um, and eventually people will be living that again this is a a progress chart but we don't use that in this Uh, now let me show you some of these charts and oh here's the thing on this what what happens the Vim system is based upon the exact longitude of the moon when you're born and that sets up the 120 year cycle so here we see that And we can go many different, you know, levels. We can go all the way to five levels. Um, and that's called Sukshma. And that's like a breath or two. I mean, it's uh, just minute to minute, sometimes days. But what we see, I usually look at about three levels. We see that the influence is going on here at the exact time of the, you know, when this is going on. Um, and actually, it's not going to start until, let's get to the actual time and place, that when the, this happens the uh, eclipse happens, will be under the Moon, Ketu, the South Node, and Jupiter. Okay, Mm -hmm. so the Moon is, is going to be here, right, in Virgo, and the South Node is way over here in Pisces, and Jupiter is over here in Cancer. And what I see from this, since I see the South Node as an extremely spiritual energy, I think that what we will have is a mandate to be very conscious of this eclipse and to say, this eclipse, the energy of this eclipse, is about, number one, about our energies in a lunar fashion. How do we feel? How do we emote? What are we about right now? What is it that we reflect into the world? What are we projecting, as we were speaking of earlier? What is the foundation of our life? Now, the moon rules Cancer, which is right here, and we see that Jupiter is in there. That's the tertiary period, the third or the third planet rather. So what we have is the Moon, first of all, asking a lot of questions here in this system, in Virgo, in that place of the soul of of trying to find the truth, because that's exactly what this paradigm is about, trying to find the truth, trying to escape materialism in Rahu. Okay, mm-hmm. and over here we see K2, which is spirituality, and it is sandwiched in between the sun, which could be very harsh at times. But in this case, we say, okay, it's following this light. Actually, the the m- nodes move backward, but it's moving toward Mercury, the mind. So what we could see is that this spirituality is looking for the light, but is seeking consciousness is seeking a sense of, of logic here. And the moon ruling cancer, and that's the number one, we go here, and there's Jupiter in there. Now, Jupiter's retrograde right now, which means that all of this idea of going back, going back, really makes sense. Um, and that going back to energy is the type of thing that we have to look to our past. But once we find what we're looking for, we must then move forward and, and get out of the way. Now I'll show you some of these other charts. Look at all these charts. These are all divisional charts that we look at in the Vedic system, and they all tell us something quite different, you know? So as you can see, you can spend a lot of time with these. <laughs> this is known as the Sudarshan Sakra, and um, I'm, pardon me, I like this one. It's kind of interesting. Uh, basically what it does, it looks at the Ascendant, the Moon sign, and then the Sun sign. And in this case, since the Ascendant and the are in the same sign. It looks kind of the same, but you can tell quite a bit from this. So we look at all these charts and all these things. You see how much data is included in the Vedic system. It's really quite phenomenal. But the truth of the matter is, is that it's all about what does it tell you? What is the story being told to you? Mm-hmm. And, and that is that is what what I think is is being said here. Vedically speaking, this time for me is all about coming back to our place, to where it is we need to be and to move forward, not looking in the past, not thinking about, oh, poor me, my life has been this or that, but saying, I now get to embrace my past fully and say, this is where I've been, but not looking back. Because if, if he had not looked back, he would have had his, his bride with him you know? Mm-hmm. And of course the moral of most of these stories is that terrible things happen in the world. You know, it's just the way life is things happen and that there isn't always, I mean, he had just married Eurydice and she died. You know, she was stung by a scorpion or bitten by a snake or, you know, whatever. And, and, and that is the, 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 the part of life that makes no sense to us. And it didn't make any sense to our ancestors either. You know? Um,
0: well, if you're just identified with yourself as this corporeal reality, right. but if you're identified with yourself as a spiritual being having this earthly experience, I think you can, you know, you can look at it like I think this one of the beauty beautiful things about these stories is that you, they're really told more from a soul level what the what is happening there right. with what the soul journey is, right. Because there is always a soul perspective. There's always that soul journey that's going on. So what is the soul? Because the soul is always having an experience. And what is this experience? What does it mean? Because at the spiritual level, it's all one. So the perspective is very unified and it's all perfect. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, for me, that is a, a positive way to frame my life experiences so that I come more from compassion Uh, so that I can, you know, see what's going on when somebody responds a certain way. You know, if I were identified in a personality way with what they're doing, I might be very, like, hurt by what they're doing. But if I can see what is going on inside of them, that they're having this experience. What are they telling themselves? What meaning are they giving to to what's going on here? Because you're always, you know, Byron Katie does the whole, judge your neighbor worksheet where she reverses things so you can get to what the storyline is that's going on while you're suffering. Because it's not, I don't think it's the intention from that. I think the intention from the, we live in a benevolent universe, it's my belief. And I don't think the intention of, is it for us to suffer and have miserable existence? No, no. I think it's just the way we're framing things Mm -hmm. and when we learn more, when we mature, because we talked about this before the show, I think this is, you know, because from the Vedic perspective, Saturn just recently went into Scorpio. Now, you know, in the Western, we've gone into Sag. So, you know, I think, you know, we've gotten out of the first intensity of this, you know, from the Vedic perspective of Saturn into Scorpio, Mm -hmm. but it, it, the whole thing is it's working foundationally with us, uh, to help us make these, get it in present time. To me, Saturn wants you to get in present time. It wants you to make it real. It wants you to get, really get in there to the foundations, uh, and so that you can create a foundation of, so you can be successful. You were also talking before we started this show about how, you know, the whole myth of, Kronos and, you know, the whole thing with Jupiter and how it was Kronos really that brought in the golden age. Mm-hmm. So, you get you know, I mean, how does all this, you know, that we're, I'm talking about right now, how does all the, the whole Saturn myth and all fit into what's happening right now?
1: That's a, well, yeah, I'm glad you went there. That's a good point. You know, the reason... I'll just quickly recap the myth, and that is that uh, the Romans believed that Saturn was, you know, he was the the tyrant. Of course, Saturn is nothing but time, time and form. And the minute we are conceived, we are destined to die. That's just the way it goes. And so there was a great irony in that to, to our ancestors, and they loved living as much as we do. You know, we should love life. I believe also that the purpose of life is to be happy. And, you know, the old Kabbalists used to believe that that the purpose for life was that the the divine, the, the the great deity, whatever that might be, that we are nothing more than sensory organs of God. And mm-hmm. that once God has, has touched everything and knows all experience, then he'll just say, okay, that's it. I'm done. And everything will cease. But I, I think we've got a long way to go. So yeah. the idea about Saturn is that... He was, I believe, he knew exactly what type of age would be brought in with Jupiter and with Mars and with Venus, and that was going to be trouble. Um, and so he was eating his children. He devours them. Well, that's just time. That's just the, the concept of, of time eventually devouring everything. So after Jupiter deposed Saturn, Saturn went down to the earth and he ushered in the golden age of mankind in which no one went hungry. No one went without clean water. They had everything they needed. As a matter of fact, it was so beautiful and there was so much food that no one needed to actually uh, kill any animals. There was no, you know, uh, there was no slaughtering because they had enough vegetarian food. But what happened is that It was too much like a hippie commune you know to those people they basically said this is no way for humanity to live it in many ways echoes the story in the old testament of genesis the garden of eden you know once again interestingly enough god says that the lifetime span of mankind is 120 normally after after they they leave the garden and after they've been on earth for a while they've kind of watered down their energies Uh, that it's 120 years. I think that's quite fascinating. But the idea is that during this golden age of Saturn, everyone was equal. Everyone was happy. There was no trouble. But that wasn't the true nature of mankind. We are tribal. We seem to embrace war, you know, for some, I don't, I certainly don't, um, but I, there's been some sort of conflict ever since I've been on this planet, somewhere, and usually many places. All you have to do is watch the news every night, and you just think, what is wrong with us? So that golden age, I don't fear Saturn ever, never, but I remember what Saturn represents, and that, of course, is time and reality and structure and Saturn is, uh, are the studs in your home and the foundation that it is built upon. Saturn are the bones in our body and the connective tissues. Uh, Saturn is the reality underneath the fantasy. If you go to Disneyland, Saturn is, are the metal struts within an animatronic thing you know that's what saturn is and and we i think it's important for us to look at saturn clearly and understand that it is actually a friend but it despises fantasy it doesn't have much of a sense of humor you know uh, saturn doesn't sit around and joke it can be it's serious about its yes. pleasure and happiness you know it's committed of, <laughs> yeah it is committed and one of the greatest saturn Myths, I think, is the story of Scrooge in a Christmas Carol. He is walking Saturn in the beginning of that show, a show, that book. Um, he is bent over, and and he is so. It literally says he's so stingy he couldn't even give enough for form. You know, he's just bones more or less. And by the end of it, he is still Saturn, but he is the different side of it, the benevolent side, the quality side. And I think it's very important to see that. That it's not, and he sees himself in that moment when he's looking at his tombstone. um, He realizes that life is precious, and I think that that's the real gift of Saturn, is to say to us, "Live your life and be happy."
0: Yes, yes. So, well, you want to do a tarot for this lunar eclipse? Sure,
1: sure. Let's pick it out and see what happens. Let me shuffle up a little bit. See what we get. I have this mini deck I have big decks and tiny decks. and But uh, I usually use the same type of deck. I like the Lunormon deck at times. It's fun to play with. Um,
0: but you use the Crowley, mostly. I do.
1: I use the Thoth deck. I like that very much.
0: I like the Thoth
1: deck. Here's the first card for this eclipse, which blows me away because it is uh, the Moon card in which we are seeing an eclipse. Okay? Um, And either an eclipse or a waning moon, it can be also an eclipse. And it's called the moon. And of course, it's ruled by Pisces, which I think is fascinating, because this, of course, this lunar eclipse will be fully aspecting Pisces. So what this is about is a journey. Um, This is basically saying that there is only, in many situations, there's only one real answer. And if we make the right decisions and follow the path, no matter how hmm, nervous we are about it, not paralyzed, not terrified, but if we just follow the path properly, we will, in fact, usually come to light. Now, let's see what the what the next card is. My goodness, the sun. Okay? Um, that's pretty good. That's
0: amazing.
1: <laughs> and what's interesting about that is that... This card is number 18, numbered number 18 in the deck. And this card is numbered number 19 in the deck. So we see a progression. So I love what it's saying about this eclipse. This period is over. The, the moon card is often associated with fear. Um, I, I know the, the, the last lunar eclipse that was in Pisces, I, I was outside and I watched it. And it was in the middle of the night, and I felt a chill run through me that could only be, it was fear, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, was, it wasn't the fear of, oh, life or death or anything else. It was the same fear that, uh, that I would expect to hear if I heard a low growling in the distance, you know? There was something happening. And, and it, was, it was both chilling but exhilarating at the same time. It was life. It was being alive. And this is very different. This energy, uh, I will try and get out tonight to take a look at it, yes. even though there are people who think I'm a nut for doing that. You know, and most of the world thinks that being out in an eclipse is very dangerous. Uh, probably, I don't think it is. I hope not. But what we see here is that on the other side of this is the glory of light coming to us and freedom and a new profound energy that can help us to grow and to be happy. Um, here's the next card. Wow. The Ace of Disks. Right?
0: Wow. That's and wonderful.
1: It is wonderful. So, this well, is definitely a Full
0: are about illuminations, bringing things to light. So.
1: Right. And and that that Ace of Disks is a perfect card for saying, let us begin new things, but let us plant that seed. Let us do it consciously and, and know what we're doing. This is... What people don't seem to realize, KG, at least what what I've noticed, is that we are always manifesting. Mm -hmm. Every moment of every day, we are manifesting something. We are manifestors. That's right. That's what we're here to do. We are here. I mean, actually, every creature does, but they do so in a way that is in line with their species or in line with their environment. We don't. It's
0: instinctual, whereas ours, we have a choice. We have that power of choice.
1: Yeah. That's right. That was that that eating that fruit in the garden, supposedly, right? It's a great story because it really does kind of set everything up, you know, for we go, why are things kind of like this? Well, you know, how about that fruit? <laughs> so, but the, the point for me is that if we understand the power of our ability to manifest all the time, our lives can be very, very happy, you know, because... Yes we begin to understand that we are creating our own reality. We are creating the world around us and we are in fact creating our own future based upon whatever's behind us. Yes. Yes.
0: So it's very important. I think that at this time from what you've been talking about, that we are getting everything in present time
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because that's when you have the power to manifest something new and have a new dawn.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: So, and then I see this, we're coming into this Aries new moon. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I feel like we're having this illumination where we're really fully letting go of the past an opportunity for that. Mm -hmm. And then we seed here with this Aries new moon that's coming in. It's this whole new beginning. Yes. That can, you can seed. And uh, now you're just, you're, it's a time of like where you're having this illumination where you can just. You know, it's kind of like composting or, or rotating or, you know, uh, what do you call that when you're, you cultivate the soil, you get the soil prepared, you know, it's like you, you, you just compost it, you, you know, everything that's in the past, you know, you don't right. throw it away, you use it, it helps to make the soil fertile. Exactly. So that when you plant those seeds here with this Aries new moon, you know, that, Is is a source of nourishment.
1: Exactly. And and I you see, and I love that you brought that up. And here's why. There are people who get to know people in their life. And when that person betrays them or they feel betrayed by them, they seek to cut them out of their existence. And what to me, what that becomes is like a pebble in a shoe. You know, you walk along and, and it hurts, but you keep walking. But eventually it causes an impediment keeps you from, from striding uh, easily and, and productively. And in my opinion, what we have to do is embrace that situation, embrace the person, embrace the betrayal as a truth in our life, and allow it to teach us. And then we, we don't have to drag it around with us. We just leave it where it is. But anytime we try and deny something, I think we end up creating a monument to misery. Yes, And and so for me, this is a time to say, I mean, the image that comes to mind in my mind with the first day of spring, with the sun in Aries, which is the virtue card, you know, the three of wands in the tarot, um, is standing outside on a beautiful spring day in a meadow filled with flowers with maybe just a caftan on you know, and a breeze coming down off the mountainside that smells of pine and wildflowers. That's what that is to me. I don't want to drag around a lot of heavy stuff with me. And that's what I think we can have for the next six months at least, if we allow ourselves to lighten up a little bit and let go of this past influence. Yes,
0: yes. And I think the energies that are coming forward now, I I think we are going to see a lightening up. Jupiter is about to move direct.
1: It's about time.
0: Yes. And, uh, you know, in the Western system, you know, Venus is going to go over into Gemini, which is much more lighthearted being sociable and right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Mars has gotten out of Aries now. And so it's, you know, some of that fieriness that's had, you know, had people, you know, some people really that, Aries energy, you know, that mm-hmm. that Mars energy, uh, they just, you know, they get into, it stirs up the egoic forces a lot of times, that Martian energy.
1: It can. So, I think that one of the paradigms for me of, of, of Aries is, of course, the concept of the emperor in Tarot, which represents, it's the old representation of what the so-called pharaohs of Egypt used to be, the uh, kings. Uh, because it's fascinating, what their job was to maintain um, universal harmony was to maintain the law of the deities. And so, for example, if there was a, a, a famine for several years in a row, they didn't they didn't blame the gods; they blamed the king. You know, they said, "Oh, he's not doing what he should be." So, for me, that Aries representation of the emperor is he does exactly what he's supposed to do, no more, no less he takes care of everything that needs to be taken then he comes right back to his chair right and mm-hmm. keeps an eye out to make sure because his job is to protect all of us and so the main thing to remember is that the, i think a lot of this aries energy can be about feeling overwhelmed burdened yes um, so much to do not enough time to do it you know my wife is an aries and um and she's you know a triple aries so it's you know i'm a lot of Taurus and Scorpio, so I'm kind of laid back more than, but hers is about have to do it, have to do it, have to do it, responsibility, and and it's a very interesting energy, um, but it's one that w- can really hurt us if we don't understand it, and mm-hmm. the point is, I think that most people during this period of time try to overdo it. Would you agree? They So the key is not to do too much, but do just enough.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, well I think that going into Taurus will help you know, it's definitely a time when the Mars energy. You have to slow down. Mm-hmm. You know, and have more pleasurable pursuits. Right. maybe more exercise, getting out in nature, that sort of thing. Uh, if you try to push ahead, when uh, you know that because Taurus can be very stubborn. So uh, if you're trying to push ahead and get your, you know, do what you you want to do and get it done, uh, you know, it, I think it doesn't go very well in Taurus because Taurus, you know, it wants you to. You put your action, uh, your desires, uh, your drive into oh, yeah. pleasure, enjoying more pleasurable. That's true. So, See,
1: most people, uh, most people, I being a Taurus and being a lot of Taurus, and in both systems, I'm a Taurus. Um, what What's interesting is that we Tauruses, I think, feel like we're pretty easygoing and you know, we're not stubborn, but of course other people don't see us that way. But, but that's of course common (laughs) when you get to the signs, Oh, I'm not like that, you know, so, but probably am.
0: So, um, you know, before we go and see if people have some questions we can, you can answer. Um, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to say? I know you'll be lecturing at a Tarot convention this summer. and
1: I will be. The, the Denver Tarot Convention is going to happen here in June. Um, if you're interested, if any of the listeners are interested, it's denvertaroconvention.com. And there's some huge names there. Mary Kay Greer, of course, I believe, of the Morgan Greer deck. Um, but she's going to be present, coming from the UK, and Lon Milo Taget, who is an expert on the Crowley, on everything Crowley, he's the head of the OTO, the Ordo Templi Orientis here in the United States, and um, and I will be lecturing on Magic in the Crowley deck, we'll see how that goes, uh, I'm in some pretty deep water, but I think I can read pretty well, and there are going to be many other speakers, it's kind of turned into a big deal, um, you know, so local boy. I'm little man on the totem pole. I also um, I work over as an advisor at one two dot com. That's the number one, the number two, and the word listen. Uh, and we a bunch of great people there. Great, we're under the uh, the. Uh, the wings of Mark Husson, who I've known Mark for the better part of 30 years.
0: Love Mark.
1: Yeah, he's really something, a great guy. And uh, he's been very important in my life. I'd probably be working in a shoe store somewhere <laughs> if it weren't for <laughs> Mark. Um, he, talk about freedom and talk about, uh, you know, generosity so, and I'm an advisor there, there are a bunch of us there, and we're all, he chose us all, so we're all, you know, I'd like to say top-notch, and I also have a radio show, it's called Out of Mo's Mind, and that's on Monday mornings at 10 a.m. Pacific, and 12radio.com, 9 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Pacific, I used to be on Wednesdays, my whole week is so screwed up, Uh, so that's, I'm doing a lot, I write a weekly column, I just, you know, uh, but this is this is what's important to me is talking to people and and hopefully uh, I don't know just saying you can be happy it's important to be happy peace and love are are I believe possible and it it starts with you and me yeah, it's a
0: choice it's a it choice. Is. it's a choice and so, I
1: choose yeah. it I choose yes. peace and love yes. all the time
0: yes so and your website is.
1: MoAbdulBaki.com, And if you go to that, it's easy to spell. No, it isn't. But if you go to MoAbdulBaki.com, you can see kind of what I do. And it uh, gives you, you know, if you want to get in touch, you there's a form there to get in touch with me with. I don't answer questions usually um, over the internet like that. You know, people send questions um, just because it, it would take up all my time. And I'm right, I don't right. have all that time right. anymore. Right.
0: <laughs> Okay. Yes. So, all right. So, uh, you know, I see we have one. You're welcome to put in some questions. Any of our people who are hanging out there watching, we appreciate your being here. This is a redo from a show we did Wednesday that did not, it didn't get recorded. There was a glitch in this, in the system. So, um, Mo has graciously, um, you know, he's come back on so we can record this for you. And, uh, for my for the channel and for everyone,
1: it was to April know, Fool's it, Day,
0: <laughs> yeah, it was April Fool's Day, and right. we've been in this aura of the uh lunar eclipse, you know. Um, right. yesterday I was totally it hit me so hard yesterday, I was just uh really I felt so spaced out, and then I was talking with some. Friends of mine at the gym, and uh, they had had similar experiences, and one of them said, you know, I think you're just, your awareness is really growing, expanding, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like you're just not used to all the spaciousness, and so you feel, you've got this spaced out feeling where you feel ungrounded, so mm-hmm. I like that answer, so. <laughs> I'd like That's to one. my like awareness is, yeah. is growing. So all right. So um do you have your QA window up? I
1: so- do, and I see a question from Sue that says, when you're looking at all these charts, can you spot a significant karmic closure for X? Um I'm guessing an like ex an X person, um, like an ex-husband or something, like looking at a in a chart. I'm not sure exactly what, what X you mean. But uh, a yada conjunct. Well, yes, you can, but we would look for more. What I would look for... Could you show uh, us
0: a chart to kind of any kind of corollary?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what, you know, but let's try that. First of all, I I very rarely... Actually, I don't use the term karma uh, because karma is something that is quite difficult to understand to me. Um,
0: I don't use the word karma either. I think it's totally a, uh, it's a very limited, it's vague, it's limited. It's almost like, uh, almost almost like this is your just reward. You know, it's, I don't know, I don't know, it just somehow doesn't, strike a chord with me. I think that, to me, it doesn't strike a chord with me, the whole karma thing, you
1: know. And and the whole point for me is that I I don't presume to understand the machinations of the universe. Exactly. Exactly. What I look more, what I do more or less understand, I guess, no, I don't, is dharma right action. But that's a different story. In, In this chart, Sue, what we would look to is what's known as the Navamsha. The Navamsha is the premier chart for looking at relationships. Now let's say that this isn't the lunar eclipse. Someone will be born about this time and they'll have this particular chart. So what you look for are the tendencies in someone's life using the Navamsha chart and what's known as the Rashi chart, the, the main chart, which means head. So we look at this and we would say, so for example, relationships in general. Here we see that we have the sun in Cancer, in the, or I'm sorry, the Moon, in Cancer, in the Ascendant, and seven away, right across in the house of relationships, is the Sun. So if you had an X, I would say that the X is probably a very strong person, very dynamic person at times. It's in Capricorn, so we can see that it's Saturn ruled. Where is Saturn? Well, we see Saturn is in Libra, which is ruled by Venus, so we could see that there might be sometimes, and it's six from this house, which means that although the person would be helpful and solicitous at times, you might have deception at times as well. So when we look at closure, usually for me, closure is a function of saying, oh, I get it. I get it. Um, I've, had, I've had a life filled with betrayals. And, you know, I, if it weren't for the betrayals, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I would be doing something completely different and probably not as happy. So yeah, have to be able to look at any situation, whatever it may be, whether it be an ex-lover or a situation. I've been plagiarized many times, which is probably why I haven't written my book, you know, because I just think I'm not sharing this, you know, but I will eventually. So, um, but in this chart, now this is a chart, the D'Shamsha, that we use to look at one's standing in the world, and specifically for career. So, looking at this chart, and once again, There is nothing promised in any of these two charts that isn't going to be promised here. So that's kind of the the nuance with Vedic astrology is say, okay, I can look at these other charts, these Vargas, right? And we have so many of them, you know. And and for example, we can look at this chart uh, the, the Saptamshamsha and the Satamsha and the Chatur They look at things like children and spirituality and troubles that'll come your way and financial this or that. And the bottom line is what happens is you get into a, 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 a cycle of redundancy with these charts. Yeah. Where you see the same thing over and over and over again. You go, okay, I think that's just Kinda kind like of like
0: if you do, do the progress charts and, you right. know, I mean, most of the time I've found that if you just stay with the natal chart and look at for me in Western astrology and look at the transits Now I do like to bring in feminine asteroids because to for me Where I'm at in reading and that sort of thing I'm just I'm just feeling this feminine impulse where there's more balance between the masculine and feminine right. being birthed at this time So I do draw on and that helps me bring in more of the feminine aspect I like to bring in Chiron the healing more of a healing you know, aspect at work. So, you know, I think, I think it is individual to uh, whoever is, whoever the astrologer, the person who's doing Tarot, whoever is doing the metaphysician, uh, who's working with, that you have your tools, that Mm -hmm. then you can can refer to different ones of the tools, and they really just complement each other, and they just reaffirm, and it should always, the bottom line for me, with, when I'm working with someone, is that it resonates for them, mm-hmm. and it just puts them in touch with their own intuition, and they have already been getting this, but it just lights it up more for them. Exactly. So they, need,
1: yeah. And I I don't mind that redundancy. There's a, a a tarot system of reading known as the opening of the key. And it's extremely complicated, and it takes—it's five separate steps. And by the time you're to the third step, you are so sick of the reading because it's telling you the same thing over and over and over again. Very few people go the whole way, but it's quite quite exhaustive. But at a certain point, you you can't help but see exactly what's coming, and I yes. think that's the purpose of it. Yes, Sue said oh ex means example. Thank you, Sue. Um, yeah, for example, looking for a yacht in a chart. Well, the in conjunct the yacht. See, I, I don't. We, I'm not one to look for karmic closure on anything because I don't understand yeah. that term. So that's, I would just have to say, if, if uh, you see, I, I'm sorry, I think it's a
0: decision. See, right. the thing is, people, for me, karma also is something outside of yourself, whereas it's really a decision you make, you can close anything at any moment. You know, nothing has to be outstanding. That's right. Nothing has to be a returning pattern. Nothing, you know, I mean, you're. for me, the way I work, I, I don't really see anything outside of me controlling me. Right. You know, it's me that's controlling me. Now, there are forces. I can't control forces outside of me. That's why I don't focus on them. So I focus on what I can have a choice about, and that's how I respond. And I've found... As I learn more in, to be in maturity and come from a, an inclusive place as a spiritual being, uh, and I'm really in my power and I'm living in the present moment, that I can have insights, I can have revelations about how to respond in any given moment so that I affect, I influence outcomes, so that I have a better, there's a more of a better, you know, I have in mind how I want things to go. Right. and uh, I can influence outcomes, and then
1: exactly you know, I can
0: attract a better uh, outcome for myself.
1: If well, I'm from, what I'm from I call place. Um, the belt law. That's just what I call the belt law. And the reason for that is one day it occurred to me in a grocery store that the difference between being free and being in jail is a belt, right? Because if I were to take my belt off and allow my pants to fall down around my ankles – I'm going to jail. And it's just that simple. Now, of course, people are sagging their pants. I don't know. Well, <laughs> it's the fad. But uh, I would never do that. But the point is, well, I do it naturally sometimes. But the idea is that we make decisions every moment of every day. I, we were watching the news last night, and there were people breaking into businesses and stealing. And I thought, why do that? What, what is it that makes us have that decision yeah. to become criminals to go against society to become antisocial and i realize it's it's a path i can't fathom you know the belt law for me means working within society because i don't want to go to jail i don't yeah. want to be incarcerated and well, i
0: think people who have that kind of story going on inside of them they already feel that yeah. you know they're just they're just expressing what they're already is their experience inside
1: they somehow feel yeah justified to do it i'm sure i i've known people who've been able to justify almost anything
0: yeah Um, you can definitely justify
1: politicians for example if if you have your head
0: turned around a certain way you can yeah you know definitely yeah so all right well are there any more questions does anybody else have any more questions before we
1: Sue's got another question in there. She says, my mom was a Libra. I gave birth to my daughter the night before Easter and a full moon. Uh, this, this new, she'll be 23. Um, and gives her birthday with Libra, North, Node, South, and Aries. Family, lies, and fear caused my daughter since uh, 2011 to disconnect. What are healing chances? That's better for Tarot, I think, because I can't run all those charts right off the bat. Um, well, I get the Hierophant and I get the Seven of Cups. Um, and what that means to me, and let's see what else we get the Ace of Discs. So, these are the three cards that I picked for you, Sue. In this, and basically, what I see in this is that the chances at there are there is potential, but it's going to be a while, and the reason for that is because. She has bought into it, and she has, uh, you know, Taurus is the fixed sign of the Earth. She's not going anywhere with this idea. The Seven of Cups is is, uh, Venus in Scorpio, and it is Venus which rules Taurus, which means it is easy for her to feel the way she feels about you because it suits her now. But that ace of discs is something that says there's a new influence coming. And that will be the new way of looking at things and the growth that can come from it. So I think there is a chance that healing will occur. But I have to say, it may be a while. So you just have to be patient.
0: Yeah, and I think the work really is an inner work that when you heal something that's going on within your own self, with any judgments yourself, and you have forgiveness, and you're at peace... With things and you just mm-hmm. accept where things are at and you just have to let, let it go. If you keep worrying over it and you know, it's not going to, you have to stop giving it inner, that energy, that fear energy. Like, you know, it's going to put, just push things away more. So mm-hmm. you have to come to peace. You have to find healing within your own self and be at peace with it. Then it can happen. Mm-hmm. You have, that's the new, that's what I'm hearing.
1: I, I think that's exactly right. And there are times when, People we love don't love us back. I mean, that's just. The-
0: I mean, all kinds of things, all all kinds of things. I mean, it's really the soul's journey, like I said earlier, about getting at the soul level. What is this teaching me? What am I learning? And also the Byron Katie work of, you know, doing judge your neighbor, those worksheets where you, you really keep doing inquiry, mm-hmm. you know, about what your story is, you know, right. and doing inquiry into so that you can get really clear and to the bottom of what really is going on, not what it looks like, mm-hmm. not how you're reacting to what it looks like out here, but what's this inner, you need to get to the underworld because that's where it all happens in the underworld.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. I agree very much so. so.
0: All right. So, well, I just wanted to, um, Thank everyone for joining us for this episode of Conversations to Enlighten and Heal with my guest Vedic Astrologer and Tarot Master Mo Abdelbaki. Baki. And please subscribe to KG Styles YouTube channel so you never miss a show. You can. Uh, I have um, some uh, upcoming uh, more free webinars coming up. The first uh, will be next Wednesday, April eighth. Can join me and renowned psychic medium Tori Hartman to talk about chakra wisdom and life purpose divination. Then on Wednesday, April 15th, uh, Dr. Angela Longo, author of Relation Shifting, will join me to share tools for living quantum radiance. And, and if you'd like to uh, have your own uh, personal invites to my free webinars and global events, as well as special offers, we only send out by email. Click the uh, you can. Uh, I don't think I can put a link here. Maybe I can. Yeah, I may be able to put a link here, actually. Um, So I will put a link. It's not there now, but I will put a link here so you can join our Health Mastery community. Have a beautiful day, everyone. Warma hallow to you. Wishing you success and happiness always. Thanks again, Mo. It's been so wonderful having you with us.
1: Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure.
0: So until next time, relax, enjoy your life, and stay connected and enjoy this lunar eclipse, make it your best.